Hey guys, this is a little bit different. We first off have the amazing Sewer Generous on this week, which was incredible. I'm getting to work with him thanks to Valor series, but unfortunately due to his responsibilities at Samurai Gamers, we didn't manage to get in the fantastic or I shouldn't rate them. The equally fantastic D2. He'll be back next week as per normal. It was just a one-off, but it's just me and my guest and our love. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 9 of Tower Dive. My name is still TJ. This week, I've got Jeff with me. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Jeff Sugeneris Chow, one of the co-casters for the Arena of Valor, uh, Valor series season 2. So super excited to be on here. Thank you for having me, TJ. Sujay is here after Valor Series Season 2 has kicked off this week. We watched the first week of play from Europe, North America, and the brand new LATAM region, and I got to cast it with you, so it was very fun. But before we get into that, I'd like to actually talk about something that happened prior to Valor Series. You were, you had the pleasure of casting the Asian Games. Yeah, the Asia games were awesome. I also casted the regional qualifiers. So they basically mm -hmm. broke up the teams into three key regions, uh, which are big in mobile esports. It's East Asia, right? We know Chinese Taipei, China, Hong Kong, South Korea, Macau, Southeast Asia, all the Southeast Asia countries, massive in esports. And of course, South Asia with India being the qualifying team from South Asia. And those three regions basically faced off. So three teams represented East Asia, three teams represented Southeast Asia, plus Indonesia as a host country, and then India represented South Asia, and it was a history in the making. Yeah, and it was, of course, so important because the Asian Games are run, if you don't know, by the Asian Regional Olympic Committee. So with all the kind of playing around with esports being involved in the Olympics, when the Asian Games decided to run an esports wing and they brought in Arena of Valor, it was very cool to see. And to cast the teams and the gold medal and seeing China, uh, Chinese Taipei and Vietnam win the three first ever mobile esports gold medal was just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, event to witness. And it's definitely going to be a huge step forward for mobile esports and the esports world in general to be featured in the Asian Games in that, in that way. The president of the Indonesian organizing committee was there. He mentioned something that really stuck with me. He said there are 262 million people in Indonesia, and half of those million, half of that population are, are the young population of Indonesia. And he said that this mobile esports represented at the Asia Games here in Jakarta is a representation of that young population, half of mm. Indonesia. And he said that esports is a way to connect with the youth of the country. So for him to say that was huge, I felt. And, and that's really validated a lot of the careers of all these mobile esports players from Thailand to Vietnam, you know, to Chinese Taipei, all over Asia. And it, it's really them recognizing that to connect with the youth, the young generation of the future of sports and entertainment is connecting with esports. So that was amazing to hear. I think it's very forward-thinking, and that's nice to see. We also, of course, had week one of Valor series. We'll talk about the actual results and all that later. But I thought it was very cool just because we did get to kind of expand the regional play beyond what we had last season. 
And of course, you got to expand the casting desk beyond what you had last season with me joining it. And <laughs> both those things, yeah. I'm actually in favor of. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to be casting with you, TJ. I was a big fan of you since you did the Community Cups and the World Cup as well. So you had an awesome time casting the, the, the World Cup finals. And now we're here, right? The Valor Series is so awesome to see the expansion to South America with Latin America being added as a region. Now there's three regions. The prize pool has doubled. If you look at total prize pool from 100,000 to now 200,000 um, across three regions, there's a double round robin format. It is the same format that they use across all the other regions for Arena Valor as well. If you look at Chinese Taipei, Vietnam, Thailand, they use double round robin. So we're on the same format and it's... Yeah, which is amazing. We're also playing on the same patch. We're playing on the Battle Reborn update patch with the new map 2.0, the new heroes, the new items. I think it's, it's... amazing to see that level of uh, synergy across you know the global esports scene for Reno Valor. I think it's really good that we're kind of on the same level as the Thailand and the rest of the world in terms of how they're playing because that creates the opportunities for our teams to actually catch up and maybe do better than Europe did in the last World Cup. <laughs> also, it makes my analysis job a lot easier because when I watch Thailand or watch uh, Chinese Taipei, I, I see the same heroes. It's not a hero that we don't have or yeah. any of that stuff. So, so that makes it easier for me. But also, it, it, it shows you that, hey, the West is catching up uh, with Latin America joining the fray as well. It's going to become a global esports soon. And that is the direction of Arena of Valor. It, it, they want it to become the next global and mobile esport like Supercell is done with Clash Royale. So I'm super excited for the direction it's headed. And this is really still the beginning. Yeah. And it's been really fun to get to be a part of it and stand on a stage with all you wonderful, talented people. We did <laughs> also, of course, see some interesting changes in the meta as a result or as part of the first week of the Valor series. One of those to me was something we kind of, well, I termed a death ball composition. And it was a shift towards playing a lot of very tanky characters and rolling them in together for these big brawling team fights. And I do kind of wish D2 was here because he loves Jinnar. And I feel the fact that Jinnar is now viable is a large part of that. Yeah, exactly. Because Jinnar just excels when everyone wants to basically jump into one huge death bob his ultimate exuberance the more heroes it hits the more damage reduction he gets on a percentage basis so that's why jenna has been very popular he's also played in in chinese taipei and a lot of the meta is like you said three kind of bruiser brawler types like the omen the arm side lane right the malik the roxy the crash the teeny crash we've been seeing a lot more of even chognar is being played uh, more often and of course you have the tanky valheim build that makes him like a brawler, CC stunner kind of dancer um, in the battlefield there. And then you have two hyper carries, and that's like the core of a lot of the compositions with, with the Flash um, to Crixie to uh, even Kali being played and a lot of uh, Jinnar, as, as we've seen as well. And of course, Liliana, still ever popular. And Violet, with that huge update to her, super bursty, high priority pick in terms of ban and pick now, and of course, Linda is still very popular. And now Slim's being much more um, picked in the meta and along his other furry friend, Finnick. It's all about using those furries in the backline behind that tank 
because you can have a death ball and then you can have your one or two characters, usually mage and marksman, who just want to sit behind the tank ball and throw damage past it. And if that composition works perfectly, it's really scary to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why the kind of assassin meta isn't as popular. Unless you get Valheim in side lane, then you can play like a Necroth. Normally we see in a lot of teams do it, they pay, they'll play like a Necroth jungle or they'll just go double marksman. Uh, which also works. And that's why you don't see a lot of the assassin comps because a lot of the compositions that are being drafted are very stun heavy, very CC heavy. So if you play an assassin like a Kricknack or a Necroth or like a Zephys and you get stun locked, then yeah, your, your, your engage is pretty much shot. And that's why Marksman and keeping their range and staying away from all that type of CC has been the dominant meta right now. And, and I, I just wish it was a little more flexible. And But I think teams can play assassin comps they just have to execute it a lot cleaner than a marksman mm -hmm. composition well we did i'm glad you brought it up because we did see a couple instances of the assassins coming in and during the run-up to valor series season two we had a whole bunch of assassin comps being played uh, zuka all of a sudden came into the meta he's been joined by Kricknack recently and the upside we've seen for those assassins is they really do well against backline characters like the Violet. And that, I think, is why the Death Ball itself is coming into meta. Because all of a sudden, you really do need to protect your Violet. You can't just have your Violet Linda sitting in the backline burning down anything that comes close. If Kricknack, <laughs> Zuka, Murad are going to be there as a response. Yeah, exactly, and that's the key, is is how can you get to the backline? That's why heroes like Irie are so good, and Scud, mm -hmm. right? We saw Scud and Irie do huge, huge plays for teams in North America and Latin America. Do you think that's because they kind of walk the line between Assassin and Frontliner? Both Irie and Scud have a little bit more HP than your average Assassin character, but also not as much burst as someone like Zuka? Yeah, it's it's the way they're played and the way they're built. So in terms of the burst, TJ, they built like Rank Breaker, uh, Mantle of Raw, and Omni Arms, and that's super bursty build. So actually, Scud and Irie are pretty squishy until they get their late game build, where Irie normally builds like a like a chainmail. Um, but if you look at Scud, the build is very bursty and he's very squishy. So that's why the play styles have changed, and that's why they're so more more viable because they come in when the fight has already started and they come in from the backside or the side adjacent and they they target the carries immediately especially if the mage and the marksman are on top of each other then scud and irie get maximum value from that because they can just basically kill both of them we saw that happen multiple times um with the amount of damage that scud can do and irie and they're really good at going in and also escaping as well because of all their abilities that can get them out of harm's way um so it's been it's mm -hmm. been such a joy to watch how important these side laners have become in the meta. We saw that at the World Cup. Um, you know, season one of Valor series was all about the jungler and the mage, and now I feel it's all about the side lanes. The side lanes are the difference makers in a lot of these teams. Of course, in addition to observing the game, I've had plenty of... Come on, Suey, turn off your phone! Oh, sorry. <laughs> what is this? What kind of professional Valor series broadcaster are you? <laughs> In addition to getting to watch the game and see these new comps, I've had the opportunity to play some of them recently, and that's led me to noticing a ton of the quality of life changes that were added with the most recent patch. Um, 
I really, in particular, am loving the ability to edit my build as I'm running through the game. I saw that in the patch notes, and I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. And then the amount of times I've actually used it and it's been life-saving has been insane. Oh, wow, yeah. I have not used that, actually. I, I Normally, I'm more planful, so I always make sure I have a good build. Um, actually, except for this morning, I had to pick Mina last minute because none of my <laughs> teammates wanted to play support. <laughs> And I wanted to play Roxy really bad. Um, but I did not know you can edit your build during the game. That's something yeah. I will definitely pay attention to and check out because that's, well, that's amazing. That's something I always wished I had in there um, because super... the builds are, are very situational. It's super fun as well because I can be like, oh no, I need a little bit more HP because of this comp. Or I feel like I should maybe change my build order. And I can just do that on the fly in a way that is actually super easy. And it's enabled me, especially as I'm kind of experimenting with, like, Piero, which has been my project this week, to do some more interesting things. Yeah, Piero is an amazing support that I feel like she will be used a lot more often uh, because she offers so much in her kit. And with the buff, that, and the only buff she really got was she can move with her ultimate. And that, that's huge, actually, because Nature's Rally offers a lot of CC and you build it with Frosty's Revenge. You can slow people inside your circle, and then if, mm -hmm. they, if they stay within it and they don't get out of it, they get stunned on top of it. So it's actually a very, very good AoE ultimate that also gives your allies a lot of armor as well. And I've seen a ton of really good AoE builds, like Soaring Aura, all of a sudden is incredibly powerful because you're pulling people into your ult and just living with them. It's quite fun. <laughs> the other big quality of life change that has changed my life is being able to, in the pregame, tell your team where you're going to go. There's like this little strategy screen. And I don't know if you had this problem previously, but you'd be like, oh, I'm playing Zenial with Punish. And your teammate who's juggling would be like, what are you doing? Why are you going to juggle with Zenial? And you had no good way <laughs> to really explain to them, don't worry, I'm going top lane. And yeah, that's now definitely you do. helpful, especially... Especially in ranked games when it's super competitive, and even in casual games, honestly, because I play some casuals every now and then, and I feel like a lot of the the players in casual just want to try different heroes out, and it's yeah. it's and if you don't communicate, they all go three man top lane or three man mid lane, <laughs> and no one jungles. <laughs> the, so it's always funny when I see that happening, and I'm like, okay, guys, I will be the good teammate, and I'll go on the bot lane where no one wants to go bot lane. And, and that's why this quality of life is huge, I feel. The amount of times where I've just randomly been like, why are there four people mid has gone down drastically. And it was like a tiny little change that I didn't really appreciate at the time. And now my life has been forever and permanently. I think improved. I think people will go four man mid, TJ, because your, your skill tier is pretty low, but... <laughs> I'll, I'll have you know I'm leaving plat this month. I guarantee it. <laughs> Wait, 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 Suey, what rank are you? Don't, don't even mention it. Oh! <laughs> exposed! I have, I'm not flat yet. I'm, I'm almost there. Exposed! <laughs> okay. You got me, you got me, buddy, you got me. <laughs> I suddenly feel a lot more confident and capable. Speaking of confident and capable, you looked very confident and capable while casting Battler Series Season 2. We touched on it earlier, of course, if you missed any of the games, you can watch them on the Facebook page or in-game, that's facebook.com slash Arena of Valor, where it's being live-streamed, or by tapping on eSports on the bottom right-hand side of your Arena of Valor home screen. If you watched them, 
I don't want to go over them in too much detail, but I do want to touch on each of the regions. So, let's start off. I casted EU. You weren't there with me for it, but it was crazy. We kind of expected Nova Esports to dominate the region, and they have been, sort of. But the main thing that's exciting to me is there are currently easily three teams in Europe that on any given day can be the best team in Europe. Nova are by far the most reliable. Bubble T is a very, very good team. But Bubble Team are never quite able to be as consistent as I'd like them to be. And Alliance are a complete wild card. Nobody has any clue what Alliance are doing. Sometimes they just show up and dominate, and sometimes they look like a solo queue. Yeah, definitely. And based on the standings there, Nova Esports and actually Bubble Team have not really shown up. Nova has a 1-3 to three record, so losing yeah. three times. Let me, let me talk to you about why those Nova losses are so exciting. They were versus Alliance in one case which they they have no excuse to lose to because alliance were literally formed last week and occasionally look like it so it's like crazy that they're losing games to alliance but then alliance just sometimes show up and are sick i can't deal with it yeah and alliance is a team that's going to continue to get better too and, and that's the exciting part of eu because you have restless you have lee d kappa mm -hmm. you have mobile you have res that's actually a super team that performed yeah. very well in season one of a Valor series. So I feel like this is a team that their record is going to continue to get better and better. So you need to stay ahead of Alliance, if anything, because they're going to be the team that's going to come out mid-season as the monster of a talented team that they are after they figure out their team synergy. And Nova and Bubble Team, I would be worried the most. I mean, they, Nova placed number one in Qualifier 1 and number two in Qualifier 2. Bubble Team placed second in Qualifier 1 and number one in Qualifier 2. So both teams aren't even performing as well as they did in the qualifiers leading up to the Valor Series here. So I feel yeah. like Dead Rabbits and Team Queso have just came out of nowhere and outperformed because in the qualifiers, they placed in the semifinals. Both teams did. Never made it to the finals. And then in qualifier two, Dead Rabbits, they were eliminated in the first round. And now they're, they have a 3-1 win record. I was just you, shocked and Europe surprised at how so Europe is so messy. I, none of us have any clue what's going on. You have it easy with North America. You're like, who's going to win? Allegiance, done. They're like, who's going to win? I'm like, uh, Nova should win, but occasionally a Spanish team that got eliminated first round to the qualifiers just trashes them for no reason. <laughs> so <laughs> it's heartbreaking. I, I think really the reflection cool. of Europe is, is very competitive uh, because they, they had the game longer than North America did. Um, and they have more teams and more uh, of a stable sta stability to the rosters pool, I feel, and a talent pool. And I think that's contributing to to a lot of the upsets because, you know, these aren't like nobody teams where NA, you know, no, no, nothing against NA teams, but like Allegiance and Marauders and like a handful of teams have like the star talent. And the other teams are kind of like no names who haven't really made a name for themselves yet. But if you look at the EU rosters, it's 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 yeah. Vex. They're all stacked. To keep in, they're all Blue Triton, Jokey, like uh, you know, Sepka. All these people have played in last last Valor season, so I feel like that consistent talent has resulted in why it, it, it's really a dice roll sometimes when it comes to who's going to beat who. We talked a bit about consistent talent. Let's talk about Latin America because we both casted it together. Um, oh, and yeah. I've region. like the games have been I've decided that Latin American Arena of Valor 
is the best drug I've ever taken. Because, like, <laughs> every game is incredible. We had Geo Esports win a game with, like, 10% of their core HP left because their minions push top lane. Yeah, I, yeah. it's insane. I mean, I feel like Latin America was the only region that went 1-1 um, in both, in, in like, it went like one one in super close games, and it went two zero in the second in the second day. I mean, the first day, Assassin's Crew lost against Geo Esports zero to two. But the first game, they should have won. But like the, all the teams are so close, and Geo Esports, Angra just showing up and sidling on its Iris oh out of nowhere, getting twelve kills in one game. The one v four from Angra yeah. on Iris has been in my dreams for like yeah. days afterwards. <laughs> that was and, and, and it's amazing to see. Yeah, it's amazing to see like that team come out of nowhere and like you know Pain Gaming, a well-known team, been there longer. But Geo Esports is the team to beat now. Pain Gaming is now a top contender. They they outperform based on their their historic mm -hmm. performance in the qualifiers because they only made it to semifinals, you know. But now they're a top team that you need to look out for. Um, and Synergy just completely underperformed, you know, for sure with zero two on their record because they came in second in qualifier number two. But I feel like Latin America is. There's a lot of talented teams, and that's why it's the most exciting region for me to watch because of how well these teams match up against each other, from Assassin's Crew to Nova to Geo Esports to INTZ to Pain Gaming. All these teams, literally all of them can take games off each other. The only question mark I have is Assassin's Crew. They have the talent to do it, but they have a 0-4 loss record right now. But I feel like they have the talent. They just need to make their decisions a little better in the mid to late game, and they can start taking games off the other teams, which is crazy to say that for a region out of the six qualified teams. Oh, yeah. We're running short on time. Give me North America in two sentences because I didn't get to cast it. Team Allegiance. Two words. <laughs> two words, but okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just Team kidding. Allegiance <laughs> are currently 2 0 up, and they're dominating because everyone expected them to. Everyone else is kind of, I don't want to say one-sided. Let's just say predictable. North America is the most yeah, stable region. I, yeah, I want to mention a few things. Toxic is a team to watch out for. They have Neo, who was formerly on Immortals, one of the best mechanically skilled players in the game, I feel. Uh, they have Bobo as well. He's very talented. And Hoon, those three are going to carry their team to success, I feel. So Toxic is a team that you need to watch out for. Drawn to Fame as well. They have some superstars on their team. Yikes is a great side lane with that Scud. Oh my goodness, his Scud is amazing. We have Waya, who played an amazing Crash, which used to be Jordy, right? Was a former Immortals player and, and a, and a well-known player in, in Dino Riders. And also we have Zoom, who is Chicken, a very mechanically gifted and talented support. So I feel like Toxic and Drawn to Fame are the teams that are kind of in the upper mid-pack that could be, take second um, or even compete with Allegiance. And then Marauders, once we mm -hmm. see them play to their potential, they're a team that could even compete against Allegiance. So I think it's it's turning out to be a very exciting um, season for North America out of those four teams. And I think I feel like Kranitz and Vin Vinivici, they have some good wins um, under Nim. Like Kranitz is 2-2 and Vinny Vinivici, you know, lost two games. But I feel like this team also has potential to really contest for, for that mid-tier uh, of the pack. That was a lot more than two sentences. Sorry. I just, I'm just, I'm just the analyst, okay? <laughs> ah, well. It's good you have a lot of stuff to say about the region, because I didn't really get to ca catch much of it. Um, but, if we're wrapping things up, 
N- name your favorite region. Choose between your children. Uh, Latin America, and I said that on the broadcast. It's a new region. They're they're exciting. Uh, the finals will be in Sao Paulo, and I feel like all the teams can perform extremely well against each other. It, it's kind of an unpredictable region, I mm-hmm. feel. I mean, Europe is pretty unpredictable too, I but agree. I feel Latin America, it's a lot closer in skill. The skill gap between all the teams are much closer. That's what makes Latin uh, America the I most d- I disagree there. I agreed Latin America is the most exciting region. But I also occasionally feel like Latin America is the most exciting region because stupid things happen in that region that should not happen <laughs> just because that's the true. teams that, exactly. aren't as experienced. And that's really I fun know. to watch because you're like, wow, they should not have let that lane get so pushed. And because of that, the craziest thing is happening. But it's also like the sign of a weaker region, which will iron out. They'll get there, but it's... Definitely, I think, for me, behind Europe, I love the European region this season because the level of play is consistently higher than any other. Meaning that I still do think the North American region has stronger teams, but more consistently, EU play is as high as it can be. And I love how close all the teams are. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait until the next week kicks off this weekend here. Um, it's going to be super exciting to watch yeah. how things continue to play out. Because there are still seven more weeks, TJ, of this stuff. Oh, my. There's so oh, many boy. more weeks I'm going to sit down. Wow. <laughs> that's that's a lot of weeks of Valor series. But it's also a lot of weeks of you, Sui. So if we're wrapping things up, where, where can people go to find you? Definitely. I'm on Twitter at generous J-E-N-E-I-R-I-S, sorry. It starts with an S there. Um, so find me on Twitter. And I'm also on the, the broadcast for Latin America and North America. But don't forget to watch EU as well because you have beautiful TJ's face on, on that broadcast. Don't, um, but I'll be don't on forget. there on Saturdays and Sundays. It's, hu- it's hard <laughs> to remember, but don't forget. Sui Generous is Latin, born to win, correct? Uh, I think so. It also means one of a kind in their own class. So that's UI Generi is really the pronunciation in Latin. Um, and that's where I got it from. Yeah. I was a nerd. I was studying biology and that's where it came up. Oh yeah. Biology. I thought you did tech. Uh, I did, but I went to uh, Cornell, which forced you to take pre-med bio classes as your first year yeah i'm so unqualified (laughs) to breathe the same air as you my name is tj if you would like to view my lack of qualifications you can find me on twitter at esports tj this podcast itself is posted at samuraigamers.com and of course anywhere that you can download podcasts so you should check those things out is that was that how you would end the podcast if you could just do like a thank you very much for listening and have a good night like really confident do it like jump give me your best jump impression as how we would close this podcast okay guys thank you everyone for listening and have a great night not bad bro